to mix them up, I would probably go with Oh, Chechnya, oh, Chechnya I love this freaking country The Adam Crowley Show Love that show On ESPN Pittsburgh you fuck! Crowley Show, live from the Fox Bet Studios. Make the call, download the app today. This is the show where your mom listens, and you should too. I was supposed to say gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, if you're addicted to the show, call 412-919-1316, or... You can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me. Shirtless Tom is behind the glass. Check them out on Twitter at FBomber73 at ButtonPusher970. And please, tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. I've got a Ben Roethlisberger statistic that is going to titillate you, one that you haven't heard anybody else drop on your head around locally or nationally in the wake of his elbow injury. But before we get to that, we start with the main topic on today's program, Thursday Night Football. You got the Jags and the Titans tonight, baby. Who's excited about that one? I mean, Christ, who the hell's going to watch it? Why are we putting all the bad teams on Thursday? Why do we always put the bad teams on Thursday? I'm not going to watch, but I'm comforted in knowing that there will be football on my television. Was Ben fading before the injury? This has not been discussed. Was Ben Roethlisberger starting to just not play well? Was Ben Roethlisberger's age actually catching up with him? So many have said that the Steelers are done now because they've lost Ben, but the people have said it who have said it, they don't realize that Ben may have already been lost. Roethlisberger led the league in passing yards last year. I get that, but he also led the league in interceptions. And over Roethlisberger's last nine games, the Steelers, they're 3-6. and six. Over Roethlisberger's last 18 games, the Steelers are 9-8-1. and one. That's not good enough. Oh, they lost Ben. They're totally done. Well, with Ben, they've been a roughly 500 team for the last 18 games. Now, that's not all on him, obviously, to be sure. But when a quarterback wins the Super Bowl, he gets the glory. When the team loses, he needs to bear the brunt of that, as far as I'm concerned. If you don't want to go by win-loss record, that's fine. You want something more concrete? Well, I got that for you, too. Ben's been average in the last nine games and far below his career numbers. Ben is still capable of putting together performances that can win you games. I know. Look at what he did last year against New Orleans. That was excellent quarterback play. But he's also just as capable of losing a game for you. The interception against Denver immediately comes to mind, as does the clunker on the road against the Jags that they somehow miraculously won. Here's what he's done in the last nine games, though. I hadn't thought about this coming into the year. I missed it, but in the wake of his passing or his injury, I have the numbers for you. 13 touchdowns in nine games. That's not that bad. 10 interceptions, not good. Two fumbles, not good. So 12 turnovers in 13 games for Ben Roethlisberger. A completion percentage of 66, that's good. But a quarterback rating of just 86.9. We ain't talking about baseball here where even Mike Trout is going to hit 220 for a nine-game stretch. No, this is the NFL. You get 16 games. So Ben Roethlisberger struggling for nine straight games 
or for having bad numbers in a nine-game stretch. That's like being bad for 90 games in a baseball season. That's a lot of games. That's a big percentage. That's more than half of a year. If you're not great over a nine-game stretch, that means that your season was largely not freaking good enough. I think when people think about losing Ben... They think about losing a guy with a 100 quarterback rating. I think they think that they're losing MVP caliber Ben Roethlisberger, a dude who can put the team on his back week in, week out, and be the best player on the field. I think that guy's gone. And Ben's always had his inconsistencies, much more so lately. Now, that's not to say that Rudolph's going to come in here and do better. Perhaps one of the reasons why the numbers are down for Ben is because he didn't have A-B the last three games. But it is possible that Roethlisberger was on the decline anyhow. Possible that Rudolph can play above the 86.5% quarterback rating that Ben had put together over the last nine games. I ain't guaranteeing it, but I am telling you there's a chance. For a guy who led the league in passing last year, there were easily as many bad moments for Ben as good ones. He threw two picks in the Patriots game last year. The game in Jacksonville, again, was one of the worst performances of his career. The interception of the D lineman in Denver was laughably bad, one of the singular most awful moments of his career. The Bengals, they're not good. The only way they'd have beaten Pittsburgh in the finale last year is if mistakes were made. Ben threw a pick six. He was also brutal in the Pats game to start this year. He wasn't particularly sharp to start the game against the Hawks. This isn't to say that Ben's not good. Please do not take that the wrong way. I thought he'd have a good season this year. It is to say, though, that the best, even without the injury, was likely behind Roethlisberger. Ben led the Steelers to 29 points the last 10 quarters of football he's played. 29 and 10. That ain't good enough. Mason Rudolph, he led the Steelers to 17 points in two quarters of football. They moved the ball better with Mason Rudolph than they did with Ben Roethlisberger. Now, that is a small sample size, but it happened. My two eyes, they seen it. I seen that shit happen against the Seahawks. So it means it could happen again. Now, the Hawks, they didn't have the film on this dude, right? That helps the Steelers. But even so, the best offensive football the Steelers have played in their last three regular season games have come with Rudolph at the helm. Again, I'm not telling you that this dude's going to the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying he's going all Ben in 2004. I am, though, saying he's capable, and he's certainly capable of being better than what Ben has been in the last nine games. And that, to me, is the barometer. You don't need Mason Rudolph to come in and have a quarterback rating of 122.5, which is what it would have been had that ball not clanked off of Dante Moncrief's face and hands and got intercepted. If he just walks in and does what he did last week and has a quarterback rating sitting around 90, he'll largely be doing what Ben Roethlisberger had done. In fact, it's a little better than what Ben Roethlisberger had done recently. This isn't me taking a dump on the quarterback. This isn't me lifting Mason Rudolph into Canton and getting that bust made already. This is me looking at the numbers and analyzing that Ben Roethlisberger hadn't been the same guy over the course of the last nine games. Well, Crowley, that's an arbitrary endpoint. Why'd you start there with the nine games? Well, it did serve my argument pretty well, so I like doing stuff like that. But nine games is a long time. When did the Steelers start struggling last year? It was in that game against Jacksonville. And then, yeah, they won it, but then they go to Denver, then they go to Oakland. These games they lost. They go to New Orleans. They lose that game where actually I thought Ben was very, very good. But the Steelers, they're 3-6 and six in their last nine. I'm telling you right now that the quarterback had a lot to do with that. 
I'm telling you right now that you can see the line of delineation in the season last year. They're 7-2-1. They're mighty Steelers. And I remember I texted Tom and Brian. I was in the DV studio. We were watching the Chargers game, and I was like, man, imagine shirtless Tom on Radio Row. It's going to be a blast. Now we went anyhow. But imagine shirtless Tom on Radio Row whenever the Steelers are there. It's going to be amazing. And then from that point forward, They sucked out loud, and I think the biggest reason, not the only reason, but the biggest reason is because Ben Roethlisberger was simply up and down. Now, people keep telling me that this Steelers team can't be like 2004. We all know what happened. They went 13-1 and with the backup quarterback, quote-unquote. That was Ben Roethlisberger. Now, he was the 11th pick in the draft, so they had great expectations. They thought he could be the franchise guy. I tend to agree. I don't think this year's going to be like 2004. I don't think Mason's going to be as good as Ben when Ben was at his best. I don't think the team is capable of getting to the AFC Championship game. The Chiefs, the Patriots, way too good. That being said, it's not far-fetched to think that they can be good. Ben's wrote about it today in the Trib. Others have commented saying that the 4 team was way better than this 19 team. Well, okay, yeah, the 04 team was great. But would anybody have thought that after watching the 2003 team? Instead of comparing 2019 to 2004, we should be comparing 2003 to 2018 and see how those teams stacked up. Because we can't analyze the 2019 team right now and say, oh, they're not as good as 04. They've played two games. Well, they weren't good enough last year. You remember that Steelers team in 2004? They had the best defense in the league. Okay, but if you look at what they did in 2003, the year directly preceding the Ben Roethlisberger year in 2004, the Steelers on offense, 19th in the league in scoring. The 2018 Steelers, 6th. The 2003 Steelers were 15th in scoring defense. The 2018 Steelers, they were 16th. What the what? No way! The 2003 team, 6-10. and 10. Last year's Steelers were 9-6-1. Is it that far-fetched to think that this team could still be good? People tell me, oh, great defense in 4 the Steelers said. I know they were great. Who cares? That's not the point. The point is, what were they building off of? The Steelers' 3 defense was 12th against the run, 11th against the pass. Not a great unit. They were ninth, though, in yards allowed. Not bad there. But last year's Steelers defense was sixth in that category. It was tenth against the pass. It was sixth against the rush. People tell me that this defense doesn't compare. Again, it's not about 04 versus 19. It's about the jumping off point from 03 to 04. Last year's Steelers team was miles ahead of the 03 team in just about every phase, in just about every category. In fact, the 03 team, everyone keeps telling me, oh, 04, they could run the ball. They were the best running team in football. Jerome Bettis, Willie Parker, they could really slam that rock. Even a little Deuce Staley up in there. Okay, but in 03, the jumping off point, they were 31st in the league in rushing yards. They were second to last. The next year, they were second. Last year's Steelers team, 2018, 31st in rushing yards. Guys, I don't think it's going to be like 2004 for this team, reeling off a bunch of wins and losing their second game in the AFC Championship. But I actually think that this team has a better starting point than that one did. Because last year's team was better. Now, they had been. 
and the 03 team didn't, right? So 04, they get the Hall of Fame quarterback. 03, not so much. But that means the defense had to suck in 03. That means the rushing attack had to suck in 03. Don't write off these Steelers. Do so at your own risk. Do so at your own peril. Again, I'm not saying the Steelers are going to make the playoffs, but I think the narrative is all screwed. Well, in 04, blah, 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 blah. Who cares about 04? Well, they could really run the ball. We don't know yet if this version of the Pittsburgh Steelers can or can't run the ball. First two games, couldn't. Okay, I get that. But what happened to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the game where Ben Roethlisberger came in? They got their ass beat by the Baltimore Ravens, and they couldn't run it. They couldn't do anything in that game. And that wasn't one of those historically great Baltimore Ravens teams. And yet the Pittsburgh Steelers, they still got their doors blown off. Things change week to week in the NFL. Things change quarter to quarter, minute to minute. The entire landscape of the league changes every single week. So you can't tell me that we already know that this Steelers defense can't be good. You can't tell me that we already know that this Steelers rushing attack can't be good. I think the game plan has a lot to do with that. The Steelers, in 2004, if Tommy Maddox were the quarterback all year long, they probably would have had him throw the ball 35, 40 times a game. You want to know how I know that? Because that's what they did with Tommy Maddox before that. When Tommy Maddox's team went, what, 10-5-1? Yeah, he was slanging that rock all over the place in 2002. Well, that's what they were going to do with that guy. If Ben Roethlisberger were the Steelers' quarterback this year, 2019, Steelers are going to slang that rock all over the place. Just like 04 with Tommy Maddox, had he never gotten hurt. Well, Ben comes in and they say, okay, we can't let this guy lose us football games. So Ben Roethlisberger turns around and hands the ball off most of the time. Didn't throw it more than 28 times in a game the entire freaking season. 28 times. So the Steelers back then, with Bill Cowher's coach, they said, you know what, F it, we're going to change our entire game plan. And by running the football, it helped the defense. I think this year's team, with Mason Rudolph, don't have him throw it 40 times. Don't have him throw it 50 times. No, that's not your recipe for success. Have him throw it 30 times on average. Let that be the high water mark and use your big offensive lineman up front. And I'm not saying you're going to reel off 13 straight guys, but I'm telling you that you could see this team play the kind of football they were designed to play. 412 919 Let's go to Devin. What's up, homie? What's going on, man? My bad about yesterday. I was going into an area where I knew that the service was bad and called you anyway. I mean, I was offended, but we're moved past it. <laughs> um, the whole thing about it, I feel like the team has a lot of talent. Uh, I just, I just be worried about. I just uh, like our defense, man. We have eight first rounders, and for the last seven years, I'm so tired of seeing them running around looking like they're confused. I have to put it on coaching, and I'm not a big fire to coach guy, but I just need to see some type of consistency. I think the only thing that's good about Ben being out is like the coaches won't rely so much on him just being spectacular, so they have to come up with a game plan because it seems like that's what we don't be having in these games. Well, you know what, Devin. To go off of what I said earlier, I think that the Steelers coaching staff, Randy Feetner, even Todd Haley, before he got gone, I think they thought Ben Roethlisberger was even better than he was, too. So I think they were relying too much on Ben when Ben's not going to go out there and be able to win you games every week. Tom Brady can win a game every week. Aaron Rodgers can win you a game every week. Sounded like he had something to say. I don't care. Pat Mahomes (laughs) can win you a game every week. 
I think Ben Roethlisberger is just as likely to lose you a game now at this point in his career as he is to win you a game at this point in his career. Well, now, if you're the Steelers and you're the coaching staff, you got to think, how do we minimize the quarterback's effect on the game? They need to be great. I mean, you still need to have the quarterback make plays, but make him make plays throwing the ball 30 times, utilizing play action instead of no play action, throwing the ball 50 times. I think it actually plays to the Steelers' strengths. Now, as for the defense, yeah. Jury's still out, but if this defense sucks, Tomlin's got to wear that, and Keith Butler's definitely going to have to go. More on that in a moment. Plus, the Pirates have never been lower than they've been, than they are really right now. It's the Crowley Show live from the Fox Bet Studios. Make the call. Download the app today. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. Enjoy the college football season this year with the official beer of the college football playoffs. Dos Equis, the fire pit in North High. I think you did pull a Phil Kessel, and now we're calling you on it like we're calling Dunlap, baby. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Am I on the air right now? Yeah, you're on the air. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. i seen that shit happen against the Seahawks. We're going to get to the disgusting season of the Pittsburgh Pirates in a few minutes, but it dawned on me today when I was in a doctor's appointment with my pregnant wife, my super pregnant wife, that... I know. It's crazy. Wow. My football childhood is ending, and it's crazy the way this all goes down. When I was in eighth grade... Ben Roethlisberger took over as the starting quarterback, and I really had only remembered watching Cordell and Tommy Maddox play because now I'm 28 years old. At the time, I was 14, so I didn't see a whole bunch of Steelers quarterbacks. I saw a few Steelers quarterbacks. So when Ben Roethlisberger came in and he beats the Miami Dolphins in the driving rain in the game that got moved for the hurricane, I was like, I love this guy. I'm buying a jersey. So I got a Ben jersey in eighth grade. I've now watched him for 16 years, and his career as a stud, as I alluded to in the first segment, was already probably over. Well, now it's certainly most definitely over. Now I'm having a baby. So it started with Ben Roethlisberger when I was 13. At the end, in the end of an era now is when I'm going to be a father. Think about that. I mean, that is how long this guy's been here. Like, the first jersey I'm buying my baby ain't going to be Big Ben. Maybe it's Mason Rudolph. Maybe it's Trevor Lawrence in two years. You just don't know. But it's crazy to me how long the era goes. Like, imagine being a Yankees fan the day that Derek Jeter retires. Like, that's a huge swath of your life. In fact, Ben Roethlisberger has been the quarterback for the Steelers for 16 years, and I'm 28. So that means 12 years of my life, Ben Roethlisberger was not the quarterback. Now, unfortunately, it applies to Tom Brady, too, because I was 11 when Tom Brady came onto the scene. And now it's been, what, 18 years with that guy. So I've only had 10 years, 11 years of my life not watching Tom Brady shred the Pittsburgh Steelers. You'll have the take when Tom Brady finally retires that I can't believe it. My grandkid's kid is having a baby. And here I was growing up, Tom Brady. But I think you're missing a bigger opportunity here. Okay. You know, you have one one person ending his career. Like, if you could pull some kind of Freaky Friday thing and have Ben and your baby pee in the same water fountain at the same time, maybe somehow those quarterback powers would transfer to your kid and, and could then thrust him to be the next franchise or a future franchise quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Brian's absolutely right. With every single death, there is what? 
new life. Amen, Your son has the potential to be, or daughter, the potential to be the next Big Ben. My son or daughter is being birthed from a woman who's 5'1 and 3 quarters and a man who is 5'8-ish. Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, last two number one picks in the draft. Next question. All right, I guess you got me there. I forgot that Kyler Murray was 5'7". Well, there's no reason two small people couldn't have, like, an 8-foot mongoloid kid. Like, there's no reason, you know? Like, you'd have a big, huge kid. I don't know if that's how it works. Are we still doing mongoloid in 2019? That's what I'm trying to focus on. Can you not say that? I don't know. My bad. We've now said it twice. (laughs) Don't look it up. No offense. No one look it up. No. (laughs) Stay away from mongoloid. LeBeau? LeBeau. 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 Good save. Cross that one off the list. It's a low point for the show right now. (laughs) It's also a low point for the Pittsburgh Pirates franchise. And think about that. A low point for the Pirates franchise. I don't know if they won today. I don't know if they're still tied. I don't know if they lost today. I'm going to guess they lost. It doesn't matter. When I prepped this show, they had been outscored 57-15 to in the last five games. The official attendance figure last night was just a shade under 10,000. The photographs that I've seen in the television last night, they told me a different story. There was like maybe 2,000 people there. What is there? That would get you to watch. And I'll be honest, transparency, number one virtue of the Crowley Show, I don't watch. It's the low point in history for this team. For a team whose mascot was dealing drugs at one point. A team that had operations shut down. A team that had Raul Mondesi say, F it, I ain't playing here. These Pirates once went 20 years without winning more than they lost. And this, to me, is the low point. They traded Kenny Lofton and Aramis Ramirez for a dude who kept resetting the Major League record for strikeouts, Jose Hernandez and Bobby Hill. They had their best player die in a plane crash, delivering aid to an impoverished country, and this to me is still the low point. They blew the NLCS against the Braves, knowing they were done after that, knowing that Bonds was going to walk out the door, and you know what? This is the low point in Pirates history. They've gone 21-42 and 42 since the All-Star break. They were two and a half games out of first place at that point. Their starting pitcher, who they... Their star pitcher, who they should have traded to start the rebuild, he admitted to trying to have sex with a 13-year-old girl. He's going to prison. Zhang Ho-Gung, fresh off of his suspension from the league after three DUIs, sucked terribly, then got released. Lonnie Chisenhall, who signed a deal this offseason, never showed up. They suspended Kella. He got into a fight with the team wellness coach. They suspended the bullpen coach for getting into it with Kyle Crick. Kyle Crick punched a wall in a fight with the child molester and broke his hand. At the beginning of the year, you think I would have typed that sentence? You think I'd be saying that on the radio? Kyle Crick punched a wall in a fight with the child molester and broke his hand. This is the low point in Pirates history. Tyon, out all next year after making seven starts this year. The guy that they were desperately counting on, they should have had him get surgery sooner. Nope, they effed that up. Gregory Polanco, he was rushed back, and because of that, he re-aggravated the injury. He's done for the year. Archer sucks, and you traded a dude who had 32 homers this year for that guy. Oh, yeah, and a pitcher who's now back from injury has struck out 10 in five innings being used as an opener. And the other guy, Garrett Cole, anybody else paying attention to what he's doing? Oh, yeah, he struck out his 300th dude of the season last night for the Astros. He could be a pirate for F's sake. Charlie Morton. Also could be a pirate. 316 ERA, 223 strikeouts in 182 innings. Josh Bell, hurt. 
Your best starting pitcher, Stephen Brault. Apart from the allure of a nice day and a cold beer at the ballpark, what the actual F would make you want to go or root for this team? It's the lowest point in franchise history because you don't just factor in the lack of success because they've had that happen a bunch. It's the lack of success, the all-out sucking, but then it's the crap going on with Vasquez. It's the horrific trade that was made last year. It's the fact that the payroll was... To start the year, $30 million lower than where it was in 2015. This is the low point in Pirates history. The fan base is reflecting it and not going to games. I haven't seen the television ratings. I'd imagine they can't be good. Usually there's a little bit of hope. Usually Pirates fans, they are the eternal optimist. They can always find something because you've had to find something. For 20 years, all you had was the ability to find that silver lining. It's the only thing that could keep you going to baseball games when they trade Brian Giles, right? When they get rid of Aramis Ramirez. When they bring back Bobby Hill and Jose Hernandez. When they sign Matt Morris, who has a 950 or whatever ERA. You have to be able to find the bright spot. This young player to watch. That young player to watch. Oh, maybe you've got a good closer, because they've always seemed to have that, even going all the way back to Mike Williams. Now, your closer is a child banger. Like, this dude is horrible. He's going to freaking prison. Where is the silver lining? If you don't trade Marte, okay, I guess you can watch Marte, but if you don't trade him, then you can't rebuild. But he's really the only guy they can trade unless you want to start trading good young players like Reynolds and Josh Bell and Newman. They are going to be bad now for the next four or five years at a minimum because they don't have the ability or they don't have the stones to start that full rebuild. It is the low point in Pirates history. And I know I keep beating that in your heads, but it's because it's true. And I told you how old I was. I told Ben Rosberg walks in here 2004. I'm 13, 14 years old. Well, I've seen the Pirates have four winning seasons in my lifetime. I've seen the Pirates have three playoff seasons in my lifetime. And still, this, as a Pirates fan, is when you feel the absolute worst. Shirtless Tom, are you going to get Craig Gas? Is that what's happening here? I am, and we have a uh, segment that needs audio to be played. Why don't you play it right now? Dropping loads of audio. Dropping loads of audio brought to you by Foxbet. Make the call. Download the app today. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It is Mike Francesa with the worst sports take you are ever going to hear. Eli is now part of the giant history. He is part of the giant halcyon days. He is about two Super Bowls. He's about great games and, you know, played in the playoffs. He's about all the good memories. Because that's what happened when your career ends. They remember the good times. And they should, because this guy gave you a great run and two Super Bowl championships against the New England Patriots, which changed the face of the NFL, those two games. Because the Pats, Belichick and Brady, would be the greatest coach and the greatest quarterback of all time if they had not been stopped by Coughlin and Eli. But they were twice, not once, twice in a period of four years. 
And those days, as you remember as a Giant fan, were days that you puffed out your chest and remembered, hey, the Giants could handle the Pats when the Pats were at their best. No, that was awesome. They handled the Pats when the Pats were at their best. And, yeah, their you can best. bang your chest about that. But for the love of Christ, do you hear how he just sandwiches the worst sports take of all time in with all that other New York football giants mumbo-jumbo? Well, their he kept best. them from being the best coaching and quarterback combo of all time. Are you kidding me? Their best. The only person who does not think that they are the greatest coach-quarterback combo of all time is Mike Francesa. Is he gonna, when is he going to die? He, you know he ain't leaving radio until he dies, right? I'd miss him if he were gone. That's dropping loads of audio. We got They're Craig Gass in studio next. It is the Fox Bet Studios. Make the call. Download the app today. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's the Crowley Show. Every time you close your laptop, a corona gets its line. And every time your to-do list is to do one. World filled with all the meat that you want. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Steelers, 0-2, backup quarterback, not an ideal situation. So we brought in a Seahawks fan into the studio. It's Craig Gass joining us again, second day in a row. Just Killing me already on the intro, man. <laughs> I know. 412-919-1316. Let them have it. Yeah, I um, I actually love Pittsburgh. I was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan when I was a kid. And um, because they were the number one team, it's like, all right, who's the best team in football? All right, Steelers. And to this day, they're still the most legendary team. Um, but uh, I went to my first NFL game when I started doing stand-up in Seattle and um, it was to see the Steelers play. And the Seahawks sucked so bad that they were giving away tickets in front of the stadium. It was really common. Like, you know when you go to games, there's always people holding up one finger or two fingers, like, I need one ticket or two tickets, whatever. It was guys with just a collection of tickets to give away. Like, they couldn't get rid of their season tickets. And you'd walk up and go, how much? And then one guy would go 20, another guy would go 10, and then another guy would just go, here, just buy me a beer. I, I trust you. I trust you. Just buy, just buy me a beer when we get Buy me a king beer when we get inside. I trust you. Just put it in your hand, and come on, let's go. Buy me a beer when when we get inside, and uh, and I started telling people like, did you know that you could just walk into football games here in Seattle? And I started going to, I went to every home game in Seattle for five years. I never paid more than five bucks a ticket, and you, um, there was an open food policy at the stadium at the Kingdom. There's a Taco Bell across the street from the Kingdom, and you could with you could with five bucks you can get a giant bag of Taco Bell. Another five bucks you get a ticket. You walk in, and in the middle of winter you're indoors, and you can have a whole section to yourself where you can make a picnic. You know, because nobody's there, you can just like spread all your food out. And every once in a while, the Seahawks would win, and you'd have a mouthful of Taco Bell going. Did we just win? Was that you know? And they were such a sad little team that I was like, oh man, I'm I'm totally into this. This is this is fun. This sad little team, and then they got decent, and then they got good, and um, uh, the game on Sunday was so odd because the Seahawks haven't been able to win in Pittsburgh. The, Sunday's game was the first time they won in Pittsburgh in over 20 years. First time they scored a touchdown. A touchdown in three appearances in Pittsburgh, yeah. The last two times they got completely blanked out. Yeah, so it was really weird. I mean, 
it, it's strange. Like as a comedian, I'm always interacting with uh, uh, musicians and comedians, but I always feel intimidated by football players. You know, it's like, um, and I love coming to Pittsburgh. Like I love sheets. Oh my god, I would make love to a to a pretzel sandwich. <laughs> like oh my god, and and my favorite hotel is here, the Embassy Suites downtown. It's got a view of PNC, and you can see Heinz Field. Yeah, you get um, a room there, take a pretzel in there, dude. I. <laughs> I already love Embassy Suites to begin with, but that Embassy Suites in downtown Pittsburgh is just amazing. But uh, uh, the views are great, and um, uh, people in Pittsburgh are really cool, um, and uh, and I love football. So, I mean, I go to the Super Bowl every year, and um, you guys probably are not as uh, nervous around athletes, right, because you talk to them. All the time. First time. First time I went in there, I remember being like, oh, Jesus. That's a real man right there. The only time I get nervous is in NBA locker rooms when the towels fall down. And, and like, with my height, you know what I'm staring at? Like, dead in the eye at eye level. There it is. That intimidates me a little. That guy's Jewish. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, I get that. It's, it's for me, it's, it's just, um, like, I lose it. I, I can be around rock stars and comedians, but, I met Matt Hasselbeck once. Nobody cares about Matt Hasselbeck except for me. <laughs> but I love Matt Hasselbeck because he, Elizabeth's husband, right? He's Elizabeth's uh, brother-in-law. Oh, okay, cool. He, she's married to Tim. Tim. Yeah. Oh, okay. Come on, and, get your Hasselbacks right. And the first time I met Matt Hasselbeck, and keep in mind, just understand this: this might not be your team, okay? But the way my team plays, the way my football team plays on Sunday, genuinely affects my mood. For the next seven days, it affects me deeply, and so I see my quarterback, the guy who, after what was it, over like over ten years of just being the most awful team in football, this guy brought us to the Super Bowl, and we got beat by the Steelers, but we got to go to the Super Bowl, and I see Matt Hasselbeck, and I just went Matt, and then and Matt turned around, and he goes, "What's up?" and I went. What's up? My voice got that high. And then I realized, oh my God, I have a camera phone. I have a camera phone. And I went to an usher and I said, sir, will you take a picture? Matt, come on, real quick. Can we just, real quick, real quick, we take the picture. If you look at the picture on my Facebook page, I look like I'm 12 years old. I'm shaking in the picture. Yeah. Plus, Matt Hasselbeck is a foot taller than me. So I'm grabbing him going, <laughs> I'm rubbing his head up above me. And then Matt Hasselbeck takes the picture and goes, Okay, and he just walks away from me, and I'm just standing in the hallway watching him walk away. Like, what? That's it? Like, there's something about meeting somebody who you really admire, where you want to stretch out a moment that is clearly over. Like, I asked him, hey, can I take a picture? Sure, he takes a picture of me. But now he wants to move on with his life. But I want more out of this. So as Matt's walking away, I went, Matt! And Matt turned around, and I put my hand out like, come on, man. Just just one. Give like, me a shake. Give me a shake. Like, just because I felt like if, if we shake hands, then we'll start talking. Of course. And then if we start talking, maybe <laughs> you'll teach me how to throw a spiral. Like, I don't know. I'm not. Whatever it is, I know that shaking hands is going to be the beginning of a friendship. And Matt Hasselbeck reluctantly turned around and went, all right, what's up? And he starts walking towards me. And in my mind, I was like, oh, my God, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And these are the only words that came out of my mouth. I walked up to him and went, you make me so happy. And he went, what? 
And I turned around, celebrated the moment. You make me so happy. I didn't say that to a member of One Direction. I said that to my favorite quarterback. And here's the sad thing. I meant that because, again, the way my football team plays on Sunday affects my mood for the next seven days. So, I mean, dude, the password to my email for 10 years was Rick Meyer is freaking killing me. That was the password to my email, and it wasn't freaking either. And uh, so I meet my quarterback. Those are the only words that come out of my mouth. It's the purest thought I had, which was, you make me so happy. For the next 10 years... I am in a different city every week doing media, doing radio and TV. Every city that I'm in has a sports station, and the sports stations always tell me the same thing. Craig, we love Family Guy. We love King of Queens, but we're a sports station. Do you have any sports stories? And I always have to go, uh, <laughs> I met my favorite quarterback in the <laughs> I think I started my period. Okay, well, do you want to come in and tell that story? And it's like, yeah, sure. Every week, I'm in a different city around the world repeating the Matt Hasselbeck story for over 10 years. Four years ago, I'm broadcasting from the Super Bowl Media Center in New Orleans when Matt Hasselbeck starts walking through the media center. And I looked over and I went, like it caught my breath. And then my a buddy of mine was watching me going, dude, calm down. I go, it's okay. I just want to say hi. I just want to say hi. And I walked up and I go, Matt, hey, buddy, don't want to bother you at all. Just want to say hello. I'm a big fan. My name is Craig. And, he, and Matt Hasselbeck stopped and went, Craig Gass. And I went, shut the hell up, are you serious? And Matt goes, dude, you're the guy. You're the guy who has the story, right? With the story. Hold on, hold on. Brett. Brett, come here. I turned around. Oh, no. Brett Favre <laughs> starts walking towards me in what feels like slow motion. And that has me goes, Brett, this is Craig Gass. This is one of the funniest comedians on the planet. Now Brett Favre is floating through the air. <laughs> and I hear Brett Favre go, what's up, dude? I love stand-up comedy. And I went... <laughs> I do too, and I started crying. I started crying no. to Brett Favre and Matt Hasbeck. At one point, Matt Hasbeck started going, "Hold on, this guy does amazing impressions." Hold on, Craig, Craig, do some impressions for Brett. Do some impressions, for Brett. And every impression I did was of somebody crying. Every impression was like, "I want to zoom." Can I take a picture? Okay, hold it. Hold the camera. Okay, hold up. <laughs> the next day I wake up in my hotel room in New Orleans I go to my Twitter page and total shock Matt Hasselbeck is following me on Twitter yes. Yes. I actually called my friends at home back in New York and said I made it bitch and then <laughs> I started like screaming to my friend Jason who was in the next room I go Jason get over here Jason walked in what and I go look at this and he said what what am I looking at Twitter so what Matt Hasselbeck is Matt Hasselbeck following you on Twitter? I said, Matt Hasselbeck is following me on Twitter. And he very calmly, my friend Jason said, you should tweet him. And I went, oh, oh. <laughs> I should. I should. No, you know what? I'll post the picture. I'll post the picture from last night. That's what's up. And then that is when this whole story just takes a huge dump. Because oh, wow. um, I got really emotional looking at the 
picture from this incredible moment from the day before, and I made the mistake of writing a caption while I was in an emotional state. Oh, no. And this is what I wrote. And by the way, you can actually see this for yourself. It's on my Facebook page. Go to facebook.com slash I love gas. I love gas with two S's and go to my profile pictures and you'll see it. Matt Hasselbeck, smiling. Brett Favre, smiling. Me in the middle, looking up at both of them going. (laughs) 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 And this is the caption I wrote. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But when one of your heroes introduces you to Brett Favre and with the words, this is one of the funniest comedians on the planet. You know what time it is. Hashtag, it's boner time. (laughs) And within an hour, literally within one hour, Matt Hasselbeck unfollowed me. And I went, what? Oh, no. No. It's not boner time. Was that too much? Yeah. There's something about celebrity. I mean, people come up to me all the time, AM radio. Uh, we had Stu Gotts on from the Dan Lebitard show a couple of years ago, and we taped the interview. We're going to play it back. And at the end of the taped interview, it's one of my all-time favorite radio guys. I said, hey, man, you ever going to be in Pittsburgh? Come grab a beer with me. Yeah. Oh, sure, man. Anytime. Yeah, I'll come grab a beer with you. That's never going to happen. I sound like a total desperate douchebag if I'm asking this guy to get a beer, but I did it anyway. That's not all you did. You yeah. also texted him. You shot him a text. And I said, mean, the hey, Jets man. were in trouble that weekend. He's got this long thing like, should I text him? We're like, no, you don't want to text him. Don't want to text him. So now he thinks he's kind of a stalker in the same way Hasselbeck thinks you are. I'm sure. Yeah, no, he does. It just it continued on and on. There's actually been more moments since then, uh, and he was nice enough to film a sketch with me. Uh, where I creeped uh, around the parking lot of the Indianapolis Colts facility when he was at the Colts, and uh, and I, I he just he plays along with it, but I genuinely creep him out. I just I get really excited. About is this stuff. A, is this a theme with you? Because you, you've creeped out <laughs> other famous people, right? Yeah, I mean, I creeped out. Uh, I told you I creeped out Seth MacFarlane, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so that was. Uh, Kind of a bummer. You know, my first episode of Family Guy, I came on a little too strong. And uh, do you mind if I tell the story? No, please do. No, let's do it. But let's take a break first real quick if we can. All right, listen, I'm performing tonight and tomorrow and Saturday at the Corner Cafe. All the tickets are available at getgas.com. Get gas with two S's.com. And when we come back, I'll tell you why Seth MacFarlane thinks I'm creepy. All from the Fox Bet Studios. (laughs) That's crazy. He's going to take your job, man. (laughs) I know. Make the call. Download the app today. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Do it, white people. The Pro Appreciation Event is happening now at the Home Depot. Right now, if you're a pro, you'll save even more.